Heritage Park Baptist Church, we make apprentices to Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit heritagepark.org. We've been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and we will continue uh, continue to do so. And so I just want to, um, uh, this is Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the Sunday where uh, typically the church at large celebrates um, the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, kicking off his the final week of his life, uh, earthly life. And um, what we are um, going to think about today as we encounter this particular text in the Sermon on the Mount is why Jesus, um, why Jesus came, why he entered Jerusalem, why he was willing uh, to let himself uh, be killed. And so um, I want to, we're only going to lock in on two verses today, uh, verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter six, but uh, I want to catch a little context here. And um, I I will say that today's sermon is going to be a little bit different. Typically we kind of take a passage and we walk through kind of line by line. There's a principle here that we want to hold on to, and then we're going to deep dive on the principle. So if you have a paper Bible in front of you, keep your fingers nimble. Uh, We're going to be flipping some If you're a user of the Bible app, most of that should uh, pop up there right in front of you. So let's back up to chapter 6, verse 9, and uh, catch the context here. Uh, This is called the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. It's what Jared's been preaching on the past couple of weeks. Here we go, verse 9. Pray then like this, Jesus says. Our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name, or may your name be the great treasure of our souls. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So what we need for today, God, please supply for today. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation or trial, but deliver us from the evil one. And then verses 14 and 15 is where we want to lock in today. For if you forgive others their trespasses, um, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And here is where Jesus drops. I mean, if you, if you have been wondering about his agenda, about his plan, about kind of what he's after, uh, you, you think he's going to lay down new law or you think he's going to just uh, reform your morals or uh, uh, make your manners better. I just want to tell you, here Jesus is right. I mean, he goes right after our hearts here. He is not interested in you behaving uh, differently to the, uh, uh, or excuse me, without the effect of actual inward transformation. He wants to conquer you in here so that everything, not just your behavior, but everything will change about your life. He wants uh, to take hold of your hearts. And this, this, this particular, these particular two verses are just, I mean, prime example prime example of that right there. So uh, three things today just to hold on to uh, kind of the what of what he's saying, uh, the why of why he's addressing us in this way, and then, uh, and then the how of how we're going to do that. And again, so each layer, uh, as we walk through this, each layer will get a little deeper. Let's start with the what. Um, these, are, these are concurrent realities, um, not consecutive or consequential realities. So some people read this, and I understand why. We'll talk uh, about this in just a second. But some people read this, and they're like, oh, okay, in order to somehow get forgiveness, I need to somehow, some way, uh, be a forgiving person. But that's not what Jesus is doing. I promise you, we're going to walk through, uh, you know, I think bad ways to read this. Uh, I understand why people read it this way, but those are bad ways to read it. What we're talking about here is concurrent reality, concurrent realities. It is not one, then the other. It's that these two things um, run together. So uh, here, here are three bad ways to read this. Understandable, but still, these are not what Jesus is doing. Here's way number one. If you forgive, then God will forgive. 
If you forgive, God will forgive. You can see how you would get that uh, from the text. But what, um, what this is, is, is an expression of earning, earning forgiveness. Now, can I just ask a question? Has anybody ever in their lives successfully earned forgiveness? The answer is no, because forgiveness by its very nature is unearned. And in, in, in our particular case, we think to ourselves, okay, if I forgive, if I forgive in some way here, then God will forgive me. Here I am, God, being a forgiving person. Thank you so much for your forgiveness now. But earning it is not what Jesus is after. In fact, just a few verses earlier, don't forget, and forgive us our debts. So it was like, that was the first petition. And then the, the second part was, as we've forgiven others. So, secondly, another way to read this is that if if you forgive, then God can forgive. So if I'm a forgiving person, I'm working it out on this level, then God can forgive me. Somehow, some way that my forgiveness on the human plane, on the horizontal plane of my life, this like triggers something or releases something or two wires connect or the dam breaks loose. Something happens. The lever gets released such that God's forgiveness can then flow down to me. It is, if you will, a conditional Um, a conditional forgiveness. I forgive so God can forgive. And I would say to you that if that's your thought, if that's the way that you're reading this or thinking about this particular text or thinking about broadly even the teaching of Jesus or the teaching of the Bible, um, you have a pretty high view of yourself and a pretty low view of God. It's not as if God is waiting on me to offer forgiveness. Lastly, again, a wrong way to read this. If God forgives, then you must, you must forgive. This is somehow contractual. And I just point this out, and we do this all the time. I would guess you do this all the time. You download an app on your phone or iPad or whatever it is, or you open an account with, uh, you know, the such and such service or whatever. And um, at some point in the registration process, what do you have to do? You have to enter in all of your data uh, and your uh, email address and that kind of thing. And then you go to click submit and they're like, oh, you forgot to check the box that says you agree to the terms and agreements, right? Like you you got the thing. Um, Now, we have some nerds in here. We have some nerds watch online. And I just want to recognize that some of you may qualify. But does anybody actually read all 58 pages of the terms and agreements that you have to work your way through? Anybody? Yep, yep, there's two of you, nerds. We won't point it out who you were, but you're nerds. 58 pages or something like that of the crammiest crazy stuff, right? And so uh, most of us, though, all the same people in the room, they just check the box and move on with life, knowing that everybody's selling your data anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Am I, am I wrong? You, you think that some way, that this is coming back here, that some way, if, if God forgives me, the terms and agreements are that I have to then, I must Forgive, and, and, and it, to do so would either, uh, excuse me, to refuse to do so would either break the terms of agreement here or somehow violate the warranty, void the warranty that we have, whatever it may be. Contractual. But this is not what Jesus is doing. It is not what he has done throughout. He has not laid down new law. He has not said, what he has done is that he has invited us into a kind of life. And this is the life that he's inviting us into. It sounds like this. Since God forgives, you will forgive. Since God forgives, 
you will forgive. These are concurrent realities. These are concurrent realities. And, and I just I want to point this out, okay, because this, this context is really important. Where do these concurrent realities, where do they get worked out? Since God forgives, you will forgive. Where, what is the context in which they work themselves out? What is the immediate context of Jesus' teaching here? It's the context of prayer. How many of you have ever been hurt by someone and you're working through the forgiveness process, trying to understand how you're supposed to step um, back into the relationship or if you're supposed to, and you're working on the forgiveness thing, you don't want bitterness to take over your life. You don't want it to set root inside of you. And so what do you do? You don't go talk to the person about it first. What do you do first? You turn to God and you're like, God, I got some stuff I need to talk to you about. You know, because that person over there, that coworker over there, that, that neighbor, that friend, that, that spouse, whatever, they, they said they did, they did what? And I'm carrying now this weight. I'm carrying this burden. I, I really am trying to let this go. But, man, I'm really struggling. Help me be a forgiving person. It's in the context of prayer that this stuff gets worked out. And here it is, a context of prayer. Our Father, the one in the heavens, hallowed be your name. And then he moves on. So, the way that you can, and I'll say this a lot through um, the next uh, few minutes. The concurrent realities are, you can say it one of two ways. I'll let you choose. Forgiveness experienced is forgiveness expressed. Or if there's forgiveness in our hearts, then there's forgiveness in our hearts. Forgiveness experienced is forgiveness expressed, or if there's forgiveness in our hearts, then there is forgiveness in our hearts. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, simply this, that um, you and I, as people who have experienced the forgiveness of God in our lives, we have stood before God guilty as can be, and yet we find in that moment forgiveness flowing our way. If we have experienced God's forgiveness, then forgiveness gets expressed since you have uh, since God has forgiven you, then you will be th- this kind of person who's marked by this. Or if there's forgiveness in our hearts, then there is forgiveness in our hearts. When we stand before God with all of our stuff, with all of our problems, with all of our challenges, with all of our stuff, when we stand before God and we experience the forgiveness of God, then it wrecks us. It, it so soaks down into us. That when we get jostled or when we get bumped or when we even get pierced by somebody else's brokenness, what tips out of us, what, what flows out of us right there is the very forgiveness that we were given. Some people say, and let's just, again, there will be a couple of times in our deep dive where we hit pause. This is one of those times. Some people say, hey, look, you go talking about that kind of stuff right there. Uh, people will then say, hey, God, please forgive me, and then they'll go do whatever they want to. Um, there's a term uh, that was associated, brought out by a pastor in the 20th century named Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. He was talking about that, and he said, hey, look, if the people who, who um, uh, claim to have experienced God and his forgiveness, if they then go live however the heck they want to instead of in light of who God is, then he says that's cheap grace. And what he was saying in the moment is not what's, kind of has come to me um, today. What he was saying is they have actually not experienced grace at all. 
Because the kind of grace that God offers transforms us. It changes us. It, it makes us want to live differently. So the reason why we talk about grace that is free, the reason why we talk about standing before God and receiving forgiveness, not by earning it, not by doing a religious dance, but just by faith, the reason why is because it does transform us. The psalmist knew this. This is Psalm 130, verse 4. Here's what he says. But with you, there is forgiveness. Let's just pause there. Aren't you glad that when we approach God and we stand before him and we engage with him, we can say, but God, with you, there is forgiveness. Okay, a couple of you. That's good. Warming up here. It's been a couple of weeks since I preached. I'm kind of counting on you here. Work with me. But with you, there is forgiveness. I'm glad that when I approach God and say, God, here I am as somebody who needs your forgiveness. He's not having to dig around in his closet to find it. But with you, there is forgiveness. And then listen to the second part of that verse. That you may be feared. In other words, the transformational work that we experience when God washes over us with his forgiveness changes us. That you may be feared. It changes us. That's the reason we talk about it in this way. It so permeates us. It so soaks down into us that when we encounter somebody else's brokenness in whatever way, and it affects us, that forgiveness, our experience on the vertical plane of forgiveness becomes our expression of forgiveness on the horizontal plane. We, we know the kind of pity that God has had on us. And therefore, we can be merciful toward others. Uh, it's probably 15 or 16 years ago. My phone rang. Uh, I don't know. It was dark outside, 9 o'clock, maybe 10 o'clock. Um, our friend was on the uh, other end of the line. Her husband was an insurance adjuster, was out of town. She couldn't get a hold of him. There's something buzzing in my yard like a bug or like a, I'm not sure, buzzing helicopter. I mean, like, what, what is it? I, I don't know. So they live about 15 minutes away, jumped in the car, ran out there, it's dark, flashlight, the whole thing. Well, come to find out, there was a box sticking up and two big round things uh, pretty close to that box. Anybody know what I'm describing in the middle of the yard? What is it? It's a septic system. The alarm is going off on the septic system. I uh, grew up a city boy. I didn't have a clue about anything septic. Uh, so there's one, one of them is a pretty heavy lid and the other one is a lot less heavy. And so I'm just like, huh, what the buzzing? I don't understand. Not sure what's going on. I kind of kick the not so heavy lid off the, yeah, 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 exactly. Katie, thank you so much for that expression right there. You move the lid and all of a sudden what happens? You catch everything coming out of there that you never wanted to smell. And then you think to yourself. I created that. Like when my showers and dishwashers and toilets and sinks and food and disposal and everything else, like I made that and it is terrible. Put the lid back on it. Somehow some switch got flipped and we made it happen. Everything ended up good. There was no more buzzing. But the experience of that was enough to say, I And when we, when we stand before God and we look, if you will, 
at the mess that we've made and the stench that goes along with it. For us to experience the forgiveness of God to that creation of my own doing, for us to experience the forgiveness of God for my own depravity and the choices that go with it. That wrecks me and then allows me to live as a forgiving person. These, these things are concurrent. Forgiveness experience is forgiveness expressed. If there's forgiveness in our hearts, then there's forgiveness in our hearts. The, the second part was why. We got the what. Here's why. Why is right relationship with God. That's what's at stake. When Jesus comes along, he says, hey, you forgive others, um, then the experience and ex- um, uh, joy of, of knowing your heavenly father is forgiving you, like all of that's your reality. The, the why is the right relationship. There is nothing greater um, in God's heart. His passion um, is that you would be in right relationship with him and for him um, him to be glorified through that right relationship. And so there's no greater passion in God's heart than that. He wants that. And so um, Jesus is after here. He's after um, making sure that you are staying on the same page. Again, it gets worked out in this context of prayer. And the reason why that's important is because unforgiveness is itself a sin. And so here's how this goes. Um, you, you, you go to God and you're like, um, okay, God, uh, our Father, the one in the heavens, how be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today what I need for today and forgive me of my sins. Okay, I got four. I got four. I need to confess. Here they are, God. Uh, I was pretty short with my kid. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and my, my coworker really, really, really made me angry. Um, and I fired off an email that I should not have fired off. And then, um, that, uh, that, that, that neighbor, um, that neighbor down the street, man, that, that barking dog set me off and I was carrying around anger and frustration and any number of other things with the barking dog and the neighbor. And so even though I didn't say anything, God, I just wanted you to know in my heart, my attitude was bad. And then that guy who cut me off, I should have waved at him with all of my fingers instead of the one that I should. Okay. So those are the four things, God, that I'm telling you about. I'm ready to, those are, thank you, God, with you, there is forgiveness and you may be feared. So thank you for those four things. And God's like, what about the fifth one? God, I got my kid and the yippee dog. Fifth one. Fifth one? God says something along the lines of, yeah, let's talk about the unforgiveness that you're holding on to so-and-so. The unforgiveness that is, that is at work in you, that is in your septic system, so to speak, and is not being cleaned right now. Let's talk about that one. And we say to God, God, I'm not ready to talk about that yet. And then God goes, well, then I don't want to talk about any of this yet. That's how this works. Unforgiveness itself is a sin. And until we recognize that and until we let God address us about that, then these other things that we are so concerned about and are willing to address, he goes, I don't want to talk about any of it until you're ready to talk about all of it. 
Otherwise, what happens is we end up like the couple. I'm sure this has never happened to any of you. And so let me just describe a hypothetical couple. Um, you're, you're due at a dinner party or some soiree. Um, and, uh, you know, you're late getting out the door and this, that, and the other is happening and that kind of thing. You're getting in the car and you're driving. Guy cuts you off in traffic. You scream. Other spouses up there. And finally you get there and you park. You're like, <laughs> and you shut the door. You walk up together and ding dong. And they're, oh, hey, how's it going? And instead of an enjoyable evening, it's all a little strained and a little awkward. The, the relationship is not right. And therefore you can't enjoy the things that you've been invited into. Church family, unforgiveness is itself a sin. And if we are unwilling to address it, then we cannot enjoy the things that we have been invited into. God wants a right relationship with you. But if we're going to talk about some of it, we have to talk about all of it. He does not. We, we, we try to hide from God like Adam does um, and not talk to him about these things that we're ashamed of or know he doesn't like. We only want to talk about the things that we know we can handle. But the truth is, is that when we do that, our relationship with him suffers and he refuses to do that. And I just, this is one of those places where um, we need to detour for just a second and say this, that um, when it comes to right relationships, some say in this moment, yeah, 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 I, all of that's really good, thank you, but you don't know how badly I've been hurt by the spouse who was unfaithful, by the kid who made the choices, by the coworker who stabbed me in the back, by the parent who let me endure this, that, or the other. You don't know how badly I've been hurt. And I, I just, from the front, without sitting down at a table with you, from the front, let me just say a couple things. Number one, you're right. You're right. I, I do not know, but Jesus does. I want you to know that. He does. He knows how badly. S secondly, not only um, are you right, I, I would just remind you that forgiveness and trust are two different things. They are not the same thing. Forgiveness is a gift that I give. Trust is a commodity that needs to be earned. The, the relationship runs on trust. And so you kind of have to put that gas in the tank, so to speak. You have to earn it. Forgiveness is a gift that I give, but trust is a commodity that has to be earned. Because some of you think, um, well, if I, get, I forgive that person, then it has to go back to exactly the same way that it was. No, it doesn't. Depending upon the level of hurt, it may be the most appropriate thing that it doesn't go back to the level Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. And then thirdly, I'd say to you, on the, on the basis of God's word, forgiveness experienced is forgiveness expressed. If there's forgiveness in our hearts, then there's forgiveness in our hearts. And I want to point you um, to uh, this parable in Matthew chapter 18. So if you have a, um, a Bible in your lap, uh, flip over to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, if you're on the Bible app, it should uh, pop right up here. This is verse 21, Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord... How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? The teaching of the day was three times. Three strikes, you're out, pal. And no more, we're out. But he, Peter, being magnanimous, because he's Peter, how many? How many? How about seven times? As many as seven times? Jesus, always being Jesus, I don't say to you seven times, Peter. How about 70? How about seven times, 70 times? Like so many that you can't count, Peter, times. Verse 23, here's the parable. Therefore, the kingdom of the heavens may be compared to a, a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, 
Uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. A talent was about a 20 years wage. So here's what we're talking about. Just think about what you made this past year. You just filed your taxes. Think about your annual income times 200,000. That's some bad credit card interest right there. And since he could not pay, which is a no kidding kind of moment, his master ordered him to be sold to his wife and children all he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. Let's just pause. Is there any way that this guy is digging out of that hole? No, no. He's not going to win the Powerball. He's, I mean, there is no way that he's getting out of this hole. And out, don't miss this verse 27. And out of pity for him, some of us dress up forgiveness or dress up mercy like it's a nice thing. But the, Jesus cut straight to the heart here. This is not something pretty. This is not something you, you put on a, a Hallmark card. This is pity. Pity. Out of pity for him. The master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii was uh, a, uh, a day's wage for a day laborer. So I've been a wage worker. Uh, let's call it eight bucks an hour, eight hours, 64 bucks. He owed him a hundred of those, 66,000 bucks, give or take. By the way, we just, I mean, 6,000 bucks, is that a lot of money? Pretty good chunk of change. That's a lot of money to me. So, so let, let's not pretend that... Um, it, if, if I am in your debt, $6,000, so to speak, that this is not nothing. I mean, this is not nothing, folks. The, the hurt between um, you and me is real. 200000 times your year's wage, that's one thing. $6,000 is still money. So his fellow servant, uh, he grabbed him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. Now, you can probably get to 6,000. He refused, went, put him in prison until he should pay the debt, and his fellow servants saw what had taken place. They were greatly distressed. They went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Look what happened. Verse 32, then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Shouldn't forgiveness experience become forgiveness expressed? If there's forgiveness in your heart, shouldn't there be forgiveness in your heart? And in his anger, he delivered him to the jailer's until he should pay all the debt, which was never going to happen. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother from your heart. It's the same principle. If there is not forgiveness in our hearts, then we have every right to question if there's forgiveness in our hearts. That's what he's saying here. That's the why. That right relationship is key for Jesus. Last, last question. Last thing to ponder. How, how do we go about doing this? And the answer is we follow the one who's teaching us here. We follow um, the one who is teaching us. We, we forgive just as God forgave us. We forgive just as God forgave us. This is, we follow the teacher. We don't just hear him and what he's saying, but we follow his example. So here's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Check this out. Be kind to one another, 
I mean, that's a whole sermon in itself for our day and age, yeah? Somehow we've lost it in our world. Tenderhearted, but don't miss this. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. How do we forgive? We forgive as God in Christ forgave us. How do we forgive on this level? We forgive as God in Christ forgave us. Forgiveness experience is forgiveness expressed. If there's forgiveness in our hearts, then there is forgiveness in our hearts. We forgive just as God forgave us. We have, so, so where do we go? Where do we go to find forgiveness? The, the same place. We go to the same place to find the forgiveness that we need. At some point, the management of grocery stores got out of the way and turned loose some of you moms so that the grocery store actually makes sense. Because, you know, I'll just give you an example. If you go and you're looking for peanut butter, what is sitting right next to peanut butter? What is it? Jelly. Why? Because peanut butter and jelly should go together, right? And hopefully, it's like right around the corner from the bread. Now, if you don't have your store organized by people who actually do the shopping, the bread may be on aisle 15 and the jelly may be on aisle 3 and your peanut butter may be on aisle 7A. But nobody wants to go shopping at that store. Because if you need to make lunches for your people for the week... You want to show up, you want peanut butter and jelly right next to one another. You go to the same aisle, and I'm so grateful for that right there because knuckleheads like me would otherwise never find the things that we need. Hey, can you pick up such and such on the way home? Four and a half hours later, I may be able to find it. You go to the same place, you show up, you find what you need. You find both the peanut butter and the jelly. Listen, you go to the same place to to find the forgiveness that you need. Or the forgiveness that you need. The forgiveness that you need to experience or the forgiveness that you need to express. When Paul comes along and he writes, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. He is saying you go to the cross to find forgiveness for yourself or to find forgiveness that you're going to offer others. Jesus, when he paid for our debt Um, the, The sin debt that we owed. And when he purchased forgiveness, what he allowed us to do was not only to receive it, to experience it, but then by his death, he also allowed us to express it, to express it. We go to the same place. Where do you find the forgiveness that you need? You find it at the cross. And some of you say, uh, hey man, like if I let that person off, if I let them slide, like I'm hurt. And I'm angry. I'm out for blood. Like if I had it my way, I'm out for blood. And if I somehow let this thing slide, I think the universe is going to explode. Like I think there would be supernovas all over the place because there would be some sort of cosmic reckoning that would need to happen because of the offense that was against me. Like there is nothing in me that wants to let this go. I'm out for blood. In the old days, they would say, I want my pound of flesh. If if that's you, and you say, man, I've got somebody in my life, and I hear you, and I hear Jesus talking about forgiveness, but 
I'm out for blood. The, the demands of justice have been met, folks. You do get blood. But it's not theirs. It's his. You do get your pound of flesh. It's just not theirs. It's his. Jesus bled and died on the old rugged cross that we just sung about. His flesh was pierced on that old rugged cross so that you and me could not only experience forgiveness, but when we were wronged, we could also then release others. The cross answers our need for justice, and folks, it sources our mercy towards those who are around us. And you think, ah, man, I just, you don't, that particular sin that they, uh, I'll point you to Colossians chapter 2 very quickly. And you, who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he, God, made alive together with him, Jesus. Having forgiven us, please look at the screen, having forgiven us, how many, how many? To say it real loud. Let the folks at home hear you. All. Not most. Not some. Not the public ones. Not the uh, uh, respectable ones. All of your sin. And listen, not just all of your sin against God. Jesus died and he not only paid for all of my sin against God, but he also paid for your sin against me. I am free to forgive because there has been blood. There has been payment. So he's having forgiven us all of our trespasses. How? By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. So here's this piece of paper with all the things, um, all the sin that is in my life, the sins that I've committed and the sins that have been committed against me. This he set aside doing what? Having nailed it to the cross. And the message of Easter, folks, the reason why we're focusing on this now and letting this launch us into Easter week is Jesus came down from the cross, but our sin did not. You don't have to pay for that. You don't have to carry it around. You can be free from your shame and you can be free to release others. If there is forgiveness in our hearts, then there's forgiveness in our hearts. And here's where we'll close. The very one commanding you to forgive is the one securing your forgiveness. The one who's teaching us here. The one who's laying this out for us here. He's the one securing. Just a few chapters later, he's going to die in our place and for our sins so that you and I can be made right with God. The one commanding us to forgive is the one securing our forgiveness. So these questions, you ready? Number one, have you experienced God's forgiveness? For the Christian in here, I want to say, like, you don't have to carry around in your pocket your list of sins. Jesus has already carried that list for you. You don't have to walk around. We sang a while ago. There's a place where sin and shame is powerless. You can experience the forgiveness of God. And you can experience it in a fresh way. Set your sin before him and hear him say, I have paid for it. It is over. It is done. It is finished. You are forgiven. Hear him say it. And if you're in here, you're watching online, and you've never experienced the forgiveness of God, I want to invite you to turn to him today and just say, Jesus, if this news is true, then it's the best offer I'm ever going to have. Please forgive me of my sin and take over my life.
Have you experienced the forgiveness of God? Second question. Is there someone in your life that you need now to express forgiveness to? Put a name on it if you need to. Is there someone in your life that you need to release? I don't know if I can release it. Forgiveness experience is forgiveness expressed. Is there someone in your life that you need to? And thirdly, is there a practical step to do so? Do, Do you need to take a step? Maybe that person is sitting beside you. Or two seats down. Maybe that person is already at home. Maybe you need to call them on the way. Maybe, maybe they work with you and tomorrow is the day that you make things right. Whatever it may be, what is a practical step for you to express the forgiveness that you have experienced? If there is forgiveness in your hearts, then there is forgiveness in your hearts. Let me pray for us. Father, now in Jesus' name and for his sake, over every person watching online and every person in the room right here. I ask that the forgiveness that we've talked about today and the forgiveness that Jesus has purchased for us, that he he has secured for us, that forgiveness would be real. For some, it needs to be fresh because they carry around sin, shame, weight, hurt they're loaded down it's true God there is no forgiveness without payment but you've made a payment so I pray that that would be a reality Holy Spirit make it clear to every person for anybody who's here for anybody who's watching online Father who doesn't know you has not experienced your forgiveness I pray that today would be the day you grab a hold of their hearts. You are the great king. Please conquer their hearts. Let them turn to you in faith. Give their lives to you. In our day and in our age, Father, I know that uh, living a life that looks like this is so opposite the way the culture, we live and cancel culture, you have canceled our debt. So it's so different. So mark us with that so that we live differently. That's what we ask now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.